find yourselves to be generally nice people or mean people? I feel I am. I follow very closely more to the lawful evil. Okay. I'm mean, but within a set of rules. Okay. If you violate these rules, I will be mean to you. If you don't, I have no issue with you. <laughs> I will be mean to you. Are you actually mean to people, though, if they're mean to you? Or are you just saying that? That depends if it's worth it. Okay. Fair like, fair. if they're going to be dealing with them a lot and it's an inconvenience to have a constant bickering battle, then no. Yeah. But if I can hurt them and leave them, sure. Absolutely. What about you, Dave? Uh, it, it depends. Um... Someone like Dan, I've known him for so long that if I stopped being mean to him, then that's probably the meanest thing I could do. That's true. Right? I'm absolutely yeah. confused, yeah. Because <laughs> everyone hates sense. him when we stop bullying him. Right? Oh. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'd say generally, but I mean, don't, don't piss me off. Okay. Right? Dan. Oh. <laughs> what about you? I just have a reputation to uphold, so I'm going to say I'm mean to everyone. Fair. <laughs> but in a nice way. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on Dungeons & Dragons lore. I'm Dave, and with me today are Megan and James, and this episode is called The Lawful Planes. A plane for everything, and everything in its plane. We've previously covered all sorts of locations in D&D 5th edition, including locations in the Material Plane, popular locations from the published adventures, and alternative campaign settings. Before we turn our gaze to some planar travel in the Forgotten Realms, let me just remind everyone that we've already visited some of the other planes, like the Shadowfell, the Feywild, and the Astral Sea, and the Upper and Lower Plains. You can find all these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on D&D lore that we've built over there. Uh, This episode focuses on the three most orderly planes in the Forgotten Realms cosmology and looks at what you can expect as players in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. For the Nine Hells, check out episodes 25 and 25F, and for Mount Celestia, check out episode 178. Today, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to jump up and down on the morality scale as we explore Mechanus, Arcadia, and Acheron. Did I say that right? Is it Acheron? Acheron. I think it's closer to Atron. All right, we'll get there. Yeah. But, but before we get started, I have to ask you guys, where do you feel you land personally on the Law to Chaos spectrum? That's a hard one. Probably more to Chaos? James, you are definitely Chaos. Yeah, you're chaotic. Yeah. I don't even, I barely know you and I would say that you're more chaotic. Rude. Yeah. But no, you're that, right. Yeah. That's not rude. That's a compliment. That's a read. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just means you fit in with everybody, James. Fair. Yeah. That's true. I would say I'm more, I, this is going to be a very contradictory thing, but I'm weirdly a very lawful person. I don't even jaywalk. Like, I I get nervous when people break the rules. I don't enjoy it. I like order. I like organization. I like calendars. I like when things make sense. So when chaos comes into my life, I'm very good at fixing chaos. I'm not a person that will cause the chaos, weirdly enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, honestly, I would just say that I'm mostly neutral. I mean, I'm, I'm lawful until it is in my best interest to not be, right? I'll, I'll play by the rules. Yeah. To a point. Until the rules inconvenience you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love that about you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to work for me. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, I think the first thing we should do is probably just revisit what alignment is. And more specifically today, we're going to be doing mostly lawful. So we're going to kind of focus on that a little bit. Hmm. Uh, alignment is basically the moral and personal attitudes of your character. 
It's your compass. Exactly. So your morality is your good, neutral, evil, uh, and your your personal attitude is your lawful, neutral, chaotic. Right. It's 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 your attitude towards uh, order, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, we do know that there are nine alignments, and that uh, lawful is the belief that everything should follow order, and that obeying rules is the natural way of life. Whereas chaotic is the belief that life is random, and that chance and luck rule the world. Uh, lawful characters tend to put the needs of the many over the needs of the few. They're they're kind of like your uh, beacon of you know morality, right? That, yeah. That's right. That's what they are. Uh, and I, I kind of feel that with lawful, it kind of implies that there is honor, there is trustworthiness, uh, obedience to authority, reliability, that kind of thing. There are qualities that you can associate with it. Order. Right. Uh, now I got to ask you guys: Do you think that the idea of law is too rigid. Let's roll for it. What a cute little dice tower. Oh, I got a two. What did I get? Fifteen. I got a one. Fuck this dice tower. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer cute. <laughs> For me, yes, I feel it's too rigid, but I don't know if there's a much better word in its place. I feel, especially with the lawful, it's not necessarily you're going to follow the laws of Canada, for us as an example, but you're going to follow a particular set of laws, whether you're good, evil, or neutral, there are rules and things you can guarantee that person will follow. So it's predictability. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think that law rule as written is a little too rigid. Uh, that's why things go to court. That's why there are judges uh, when it comes to law, because there is room for nuance. There is the idea of the spirit of the law, mm -hmm. right? And it can be kind of taken advantage of in some situations. So, yeah, I mean, the idea of it as it has to be this way, it is only this way, just that doesn't work for me, right? I think I just said, like, I mean, I'm lawful until it doesn't work for me anymore. Then I'm going to do something, right? Yeah, and then you're going to argue your case, yeah, exactly. right? Like, there's a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing or not doing what I should be doing kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I like I. I, did, I don't think law is rigid in the sense where, like, you have to 100% follow it to be considered lawful. It's like, I feel like law is a set of guidelines, shall we say, to keep things in order. And then when things go out of order, it's the thing that you revert back to. So it's just a, a helpful guide, shall we say. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Megan, for that great comment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> This much dead stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, are you guys familiar with the idea of the Great Wheel? Kind no, of. Dave, please explain it to me. James, I damn well know you are. In fact, I bet you could probably close your eyes without looking at it and just tell me what everything is on it, especially the chaotic ones. Just because I like surviving there doesn't mean I know the rest of them. <laughs> just because I'm living in it doesn't mean that I want to talk about it. <laughs> right? Uh, so there are more than like two dozen planes. There's a whole crap ton of them, and I mean, there's. Is that an official measurement? Uh, a crap, crap ton. ton? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. I'll, I'll get back to you later on what that is. Uh, in the PHB at the back in one of the appendices, is that right? Appendicitis. Appendices. Appendix. No. Appendectomies. I had one of those. <laughs> Speaking about chaotic. <laughs> right? Uh, in the back of the PHB, there is an actual, like, drawn chart of the Great Wheel. 
but it's supposed to visualize something that is probably very difficult to visualize. Uh, the idea is that the material plane uh, exists in the center, and the Feywild and the Shadowfell are kind of like opposites of it. They're, they're shadows of the material plane. They are of the material plane, uh, but they are different. They mm. are... Same, same, but different. Same, right? same, but different. Uh, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and then kind of wrapped around that in the center um, is the ethereal plane uh, and the inner planes. Okay? And then you get to the outer planes, and this is where you start to get the, the positive and the negative uh, planes. The, the upper, not upper, I suppose, but um, the, the good can be kind of characterized at the top of the wheel, where the evil would be at the bottom, lawful would be to the left, and chaotic would be to the right, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of all on a spectrum. So today, um, we're going to kind of be on just the left side of it. The good side. The lawful side. That's true. Yeah. Not the good, necessarily. <laughs> true enough. True enough. Right? Fair, fair, fair. Uh, but I mean, it's, it just essentially think of it as a, you know, a giant series of circles. It's a series of circles. Um, with different layers that kind of... Like an onion? I was going to say like an onion or... an ogre. I was going to say like a, like a jawbreaker, but that was me. <laughs> Planes are like ogres. Yes. <laughs> they have... There's many layers. Uh, but yeah, you guys get the idea. Like it's it's kind of arranged by the alignment and, yeah. and, and so on. Once you get to the outer planes. But the core of it is the material plane. All I keep wanting to say is material girl <laughs> every time. <laughs> Editor dub Dave over every time, please. Material girl. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, all right. So with that in mind, I got a couple of questions for you. We're gonna roll initiative again because I love rolling initiative because mm. I'm so good at it. Uh, yeah, let's roll and then I'll ask the first question. How's that? Oh God. Oh, is... I upgraded from a two to a four. Oh, I got a 4-2. I got a 5. Well, let's roll off. Again. Okay. Right. Oh, jeez. I feel like I'm just, like, way too close to this microphone. 10. 15. All Fantastic. Right. Okay. The party of murder hobos getting chased by the town guards is a classic player versus law encounter in D&D. What's one other unique kind of conflict players might run into in a campaign? Players versus their environment. So an area that is either filled with poison or visibility, that is something the party would run into in a campaign that isn't the norm of a monster attack. Yeah. It's conflicting, for sure. Yeah. Um, I was going to go more the direction because if you're thinking murder hobos or things that are going against law, just like having your fucking rogue steal all the time and having to deal <laughs> with that process. Like, there have been so many times where I've been punished by DMs where we go to jail because someone stole the wrong item or what have you. And it can lead to a nice storyline of some kind, but it's very annoying when you're in a marketplace and you know you have to keep your eye on your fucking rogue. Yeah. Yeah. We've turned our rogue in before and we've killed one of our rogues before for... Being an asshat? Being an asshat. I love that. Well, I mean, it's the classic rogue versus paladin, right? I yeah. Mean, they... They butt heads a lot. Yeah, the lawful stupid versus the chaotic dumb. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. I like that. I feel like that's probably going to come up later as well. Yeah, absolutely. Come back to that one. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, you said it before, player versus environment. Uh, I like the idea of player versus self. You can use lawful intent uh, to really manipulate players like a paladin uh, in order to, to get them to, 
you know, have to maybe make that hard choice, right? Break you, their morality. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, like, you really got to give them that, that moral dilemma. Right? Yeah. I remember Adam, that asshat, put me in a situation as a paladin where I had to kill and revive multiple people multiple times. Yeah, he's put me in a scenario where I've either had to decide for... My main character was being saved by the party. His soul had been snatched. So I was playing his... Your soul reta- has been snatched. soul okay. was yeah. snatched. Yeah. I was playing as, his as retainer. As his tradition, yes. Yes, as his tradition. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing as his retainer, and he ran across another party member being ganked by, I think it was two vampires. Yeah. He knew going into that fight, he would not win. Mm-hmm. And he knew his goal wasn't to protect that party, but to return his lord. Yeah. So one of those scenarios. Got you. Yeah, we had one one time where our paladin uh, was really, really into um, trying to... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, interrogate, yeah. <clears throat> so we had one time our paladin was really trying to interrogate these goblins. Mm. Uh, and th- I mean, this is 3.5, so alignment was a little more rigid. And uh, he kept like slowly cutting and then laying on hands and then torturing and laying on hands. And at one point, our DM, it wasn't me at the time, it's kind of stopped and was like, dude, like, th- you know, if you keep going down this road, it's going to change and it's going to be a big deal for you. Because if you're not lawful good in the 3.5, you're not a paladin. You lose everything. Yeah. Uh, so there was this big moral dilemma, which I guess was more player versus character yeah right trying to figure it out so yeah it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition you can kind of throw upon your party sometimes yeah and i feel fifth edition it kind of gives you that freedom to do that a little bit more because it's not as rigid as older ones were because like in my situation when i was a paladin killing people and reviving them to get out of some trap that we were in uh in the end i did end up losing certain abilities and certain uh, like things that i could do but not in entirety it was just kind Mm -hmm. of like a you fucked up and you can no longer like hear the voice of your God or whatever for an extended period of time. Like you have to do something to make up for it now, but it's not like it's completely gone. It's just that for a moment you had a lack of morality and you deserve to be punished for it in some way, shape or form. Right. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Another question for you guys. Have you ever played in the lawful planes or dealt with the thematic limitations of law in D&D. Now, I think we just kind of spoke about the, well, that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, have you guys ever played in the Lawful Plains? No, never been to the Lawful Plains. Been any planes other than the material Feywild or Shadowfell? No. No? Just the Feywild. It's not an adventure I would return to quickly. <laughs> yeah. I think the Feywild is the only one I've ever in a game been in where it yeah. was called the Feywild and you were in the Feywild. Yeah. Everything else has been like very homebrew or we take ideas and themes from the planes themselves, mm-hmm. but it's not like I'm jumping into the Shadowfell or what have yeah. you. It's just you are in your own place. So, yeah. Yeah. No? Same for you? Yeah, same for me. I mean, I've never personally done much planar travel. Uh, even, I think, the Shadowfell and the Feywild. If I'd ever been, I, I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> you didn't although, know you were there? <laughs> no. I, I, although, I guess we did one Candlekeep recently where we did have to go into the Shadowfell. But that was just more of a plot device than you know, anything of substance. We didn't yeah. really get into it. True enough. Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Indubitably. We're so good at this. <laughs> the best. It's the DM's fault. That's uh, you. Adam. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right, so the first plane we're going to cover today is uh, Mechanus, yeah. which let me tell you, there is not a lot of information about it in 
fifth edition anywhere. They talk about the planes a little bit in the PHB, but it doesn't really give you a breakdown on what's going on in them. It just kind of tells you what's where and how it works. Yeah. Uh, and then the actual paragraph in the DMG is like a, a, a single paragraph. It's like the size of a sticky note. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all it really tells you is that uh, this is the plane of lawful neutral. So everything is very orderly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is sometimes referred to as the clockwork nirvana of Mechanus or just nirvana. All right. Okay. Uh, it is a place of rules and law, law and process, and organization is absolutely paramount. Sounds like heaven to me. Nirvana, even. Oh, just great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a place where people always make reservations. It's a place where, like, no one ever, no, everyone knows what time it is, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like a great place. Not my kind of place. No? Oh, I would love it. Uh, for those that spend time there, it can actually, like, have some effect on you as well. Uh, for instance, it does have an optional rule. Uh, about imposing order, where if you spend a long rest on this plane, uh, when you wake up, you have to make a DC 10 wisdom save, and on a failed save, your alignment changes to lawful neutral. Interesting. All right. Now, this effect goes away after you spent a day in another plane. Hmm. So hmm. once you leave it, it, it reverts. It's not permanent, but while you're there, it can kind of you know rub off on you a little bit. Uh, the only other real thing that the DMG will tell you about Mechanus is that it is home to the creator of the Modrons, uh, who is a god-like being called Primus. Primus? Primus. Okay. Like the band. Very clever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you guys know what the Modrons are? Aren't they like the clockwork people? Like yeah, little yeah. angel-type clockwork things? Yeah, they're small, little, um, mechanized... I mean, not necessarily mechanized, but they're uh, little things that run around and take care of the daily everydays of, uh, of Mechanus. And that's really all that the DMG gives you about Mechanus itself. Uh, however, doing some digging in other places and looking at other things, you can actually find quite a lot of information on it. Uh, the idea is that Mechanus is a uh, plane that is filled with country-sized interlocking gears. All right, These gears are a thousand kilometers wide in some cases. They are massive. Uh, and each one is kind of its own little realm, and the amount of them is infinite. Mm. All right. There is just tons of them. What a great sound that would make. That would. Like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the gears are sometimes inhabited on both sides so that you can have a civilization on the top and a civilization on the bottom. And the gravity actually changes to accommodate that. So when you're on the top side, gravity works normally. When you're on the bottom side, gravity works normally. So like Australia. So yes, like Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but the big thing that really, you know, sets it apart other than, you know, everything being on giant cogs is that they're all interlocking and they all spin in synchronicity. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then once they all spin around, um, you know, that's a full rotation over here is a different rotation over here. But when these ones align, then, you know, it's been a year. So it's been like they can time it based on how often certain cogs spin and how long it takes that to achieve a full rotation. Yeah. But because they're all sort of sorts of different sizes and dimensions, it can vary very wildly. Wildly. Yes. Uh, Mechanus has equal amounts of light and dark, equal amounts of hot and cold, and equal amounts of the four elements. Everything here serves a purpose. Mm. Uh, everything has its place here, uh, and nobody really likes it when it varies from that too much. Interesting. 
Uh, it is connected to the prime material plane through the astral plane. And it is also connected to uh, Arcadia and uh, Acheron, which is your guys's. Uh, those are, of course, both outer planes. Now, we spoke about Modrons. Um, a little more about them. They are immortal. They live forever. Okay? Love that for them. Right? No. I wish. I don't. I know I don't. I take that back. Yeah. Can you edit that out, please? (laughs) I want to see the heat death of the universe. Do you? Yeah, I think it would be cool. I don't think it would. I think it would. I think it would be depressing. I think if you've lived long enough... It would, it would be, be the last thing to see. Yeah, it'd be like, okay, like well, you've we're seen done. The star, every star in the sky go out. Yeah. You might as well see the heat death of the universe. Absolutely. And I no, think I'm, it'd be cool. I'm with you. I would not want to watch it if it happened tomorrow. Yeah, no. But like, but if, if I'm I live living for, for the next of years, couple billion yeah, years, I, would, I might as well stick around to the I'd very end. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, Modrons are immortal. Chaos, yeah, go on. Uh, and they're the embodiment <laughs> of the universal principle of order. They are all sorts of different geometric shapes, and the idea is that the more sides that they have, the higher up in society they are. Hmm. So if you're a sphere, sucks to be you. <laughs> the the highest in society, though, actually appear more as like a humanoid. Yeah. So many different shapes, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, and of course, again, they are all ruled by Primus, the one and the prime. That is his title. Primus. Okay. Love that. Kind of. Uh, now on mechanus there are many different realms many different cogs and uh, they're all kind of referred to as realms and they're all ruled by different people primus rules uh, one of the biggest cogs called regulus okay Uh, (laughs) it's supposed to be order it's supposed to make sense megan they can't have these ridiculous names they have to be like Orderly names. I'm waiting for the next Harry Potter name to come in. Regulus. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. At the center of Regulus is Primus's tower, and it's built in the center of this one massive cog. Uh, there are other cogs that are part of it that kind of stack on top of each other uh, that make up all of uh, Regulus, but the, the tower in the middle is Primus's home. Uh, another fun fact, Primus was at one point killed by Orcus. But I couldn't really find out much more than that. Fair. Great anecdote. Right? Cool, eh? <laughs> uh, But like I said, Regulus is the largest realm in Mechanus. Uh, it has 64 cogs. Each one is ruled by an octon. Each four cogs is ruled by a quartron. And a four-region quarter is ruled by a secundus. Okay. Because of course it is, right? <laughs> what, how many sided shape is a secundus? The secundus is actually the mostly humanoid shape. They are second only to primus. Huh. Okay? Interesting. Right? Okay. Okay, uh, fair. Yeah. We'll take it. With you so far. <laughs> uh, there are a few other realms in Mechanus. Uh, some of the ones that were worth mentioning, though, are uh, the Keep of the Eternal Sun. This is the realm of... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to butcher this. Uh, this is the realm of... A a Maunator. A Maunator. This is the realm of a Maunator, who is the Dian... Di- uh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a name someone would name their player character that's a Manator. Uh, okay. This sounds like a name Dave would use for his character for everybody else to pronounce but himself. Well, it's... He's another... He's, himself. He's another son god. So, I mean, god to humans. 
he is also their deity of order, law, sun, and time. So he has his own little area chiseled out here. Uh, it is also home to Mycelia, which is uh, the realm of Silophor, who is a uh, Myconid deity. So there's all sorts of little mushroom people and Adorable. stuff running around. Uh, and it is also home to a place called Delon Estin Oti, which is a perfectly symmetrical town, which has 20 bordering walls, and each one has one gate. Everyone here is equal, and there are no rulers. All right, so it seems pretty, pretty chill. Do you have a twin that moves opposite you out of all times? Otherwise, the town is not symmetrical. James? Yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, for don't the, quote me on that. For the sake of it, yes. Okay. But for the sake of making you quiet, yes. This it's is a said podcast. It's symmetrical. <laughs> He's supposed right, to not right, be quiet. Scratch that. Don't, cut that. It's supposed to inspire him. <laughs> inspire him to shut the hell up. <laughs> not going to happen, Dave. Uh, other than the Modrons on uh, Mechanist, there are a couple other peoples. There are the Formians. Uh, have you guys ever heard of these? No. No. no they're uh, ant like creatures. They're kind of like. They look like a, a centaur, only ants. Only ant-like? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they do have a queen who lays eggs for the hive. There are soldiers, workers, and I mean they focus on growth through conquest. Fair. Okay. Uh, there's also a race of beings called the Inevitables. These are constructs that are built in factories on the cogs of... They build their own people. Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. And it's Don't built we the technically cog- build our own people? 100%. Make it myself. <laughs> I'll take an arm from here and a leg from here. No, that, that's something else. That's different. <laughs> that, hits that hits different. <laughs> uh, the factories uh, are on the cog or the realm of Numinous, uh, and they are focused on upholding law and order. If things get out of whack, they're going to kind of come around and, and forcibly make it fit back into the grand order. Someone's running amok, they they fix it. Pretty much. Uh, It's their duty to enforce this across all of Mechanus. And they're also out looking to find more resources to make more inevitables. All right, so with all of that in mind, let's roll initiative here. And uh, we got some questions. Stole my lucky yellow dice. No, it's okay, David. You can get a (laughs) high roll roll this time. No, I'm going to use my dice. Twelve. Five. Fourteen. Oh, uh, I'm not going to answer my own question. I'm going to go last. Uh, so I'm glad we rolled initiative. Yeah. Uh, so, Megan, what inspires you the most about Mechanus? I I don't know. I like I like the fact that everything is on cogs and that it works in like conjunction with itself. Because I just wonder what the calamity would be like if they stopped. You know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's... Big fan of that concept. Yeah. Like, I feel like that'd be a, yeah. an interesting thing to play out, but, like, I don't know. I like and the like, idea of it interlocking. what implications would it have outside to other planes? Because these cogs are probably moving something else in the universe. Yeah. Or the greater cosmos. Yeah, exactly. That is not pretty bad. I mean, I didn't find anything that... There's nothing to say it does, but it's also, like, space magic, and including the plane I have, there's things that are moving uncontrolled, so... Forces being driven into one of the systems. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I think that Mechanus in and of itself uh, makes my OCD very happy. When I see things that are out of place and I need to go fix it, I know that that's not going to happen in Mechanus. And I really like that. Yeah. Right? I like the idea of the order. Uh, 
which is, I guess, like the a, balance of the order. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it just it, it sits nice. You know, there's there's a comfort to it. Yeah. Right. Uh, what do you think is a good plot hook that would see a party end up on Mechanus? Um, I like the idea that, it, like what you're speaking to about the cogs, if they were to stop moving, that's something that you did cause them to stop moving, and yeah. now it is your responsibility to fix it. So you've been now transported to this place to fix what you had broke, basically. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. Yeah. What I was thinking about is the group that's there to hammer down all the squeaky boards and that. Mm. They go on a war of conquest across all the other planes. <gasps> and you need to figure out why these essentially manufactured machines aren't following the universe programming. Yeah. So you can stop the war if you fix their hive mind, potentially. Who knows? It's your own campaign. Ooh, or what if, because this is a place of balance, right? I wonder yeah. if, it, if you... um. If your character was one or the other, and then your other half was in this plane, mm -hmm. and in order to restore balance, you have to find that person. Yeah, you can push it on the moral thing we were talking about, the players. Do they sacrifice themselves for the greater cosmos? Yeah, exactly. So, it's funny that you mentioned the idea of, the, of a conquest, because every uh, rotation, which I believe works out to like 200 some odd years, the Modrons go on what's called the Modron March, where they start... <laughs> Okay. And they go clockwise from their plane through all of the outer planes back to their original one. And it takes them a significant amount of time to do that. And nobody's really sure why. It's a teddy bear picnic. Yeah, essentially they, they just yeah, march their way all the way through, like up through the through the good planes, down through chaotic, through evil, and back again. And a lot don't make it back. And the, the, again, they're not really sure why the Modrons do this, but they do it like clockwork. It happens every you know, interval it should. Hmm. Uh, so that's an interesting, uh, an interesting take, James, because there's actually a mechanic mm -hmm. already kind of in there for it. How convenient! I didn't even know that. Look at you. I know. Look at me just making up things. Just making over shit here. up. And be like, oh yes. Right? <laughs> uh, I like the idea of using Mechanus as a kind of a, a jumping-off point. Uh, they've woken up here. They found that things are out of order, and then they've got to, you know, kind of go through you know, a planar expedition. To figure out exactly what's going on. James, you mentioned that things are interconnected. I might homebrew some stuff in order to make that work a little bit better for me. Yeah. And uh, and, and give them some purpose that way. Uh, what are some potential issues you think might arise uh, when you run a session or two on Mechanus? Any chaotic, stupid player. Yeah. Sorry to jump the gun there. No, but... no. I, and honestly, I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah. Is that you're going to be constantly fighting gonna... with the morality of yeah. the players at the table. And like, and, and it, it's hard because you want them to be able to role play as their characters would do, but at the same time, it's like, how do you smack some students yeah. into your your lawful, stu your un, your stupid chaotic characters? Yeah, that's the big one, and that's the part of the issue of the stupid. Like, they play their character can be dumb; they can do dumb things, but they should know there's a time and a place, even if you're on the far end of a chaotic character. Yeah, but mm I I think that you can definitely play into like the the balance of things, though. So, um, punishing your players would be a little bit, not as, you don't have to be too harsh with the punishment of your players, because... Oh, come on, it's my favorite thing. I know, but, like, <laughs> as much as we love to do it, it's one of those things where it can, be, can become unfun at yeah. some point, right? I think this would be one of the planes you do an equal and opposite reaction. Exactly. They fireball a house, a fireball well, lands on them. Like... But do a different elemental, just to play with the duality of it. Yeah. They hit you with fire, you hit them with ice. Yeah. And it's just back and forth until they stop being stupid. 
yeah. perfectly balanced as all things should be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be a fun thing to play into, though, mm-hmm. is the balance of it. Like, if they do something stupid, something stupid happens to you. Or if you do something good, something bad happens to someone else. Yeah. Like, you can play it both ways, right? Hold on, hold on. Are you suggesting that players need to be accountable for their actions? What a crazy concept. I know this is 5e, <laughs> so it's a hard concept for everyone. Yeah. But... Hard thing to understand uh, and digest, but yeah, absolutely. Hello, wonderful listeners of Podcast Land. This is a friendly reminder that if you want to head back into the dark and terrifying depths that is the It's a Mimic podcast, just to explore the hundreds of episodes that are filled with inspirations, opinions, and dirty-ass jokes, the best resources we offer are actually our YouTube page, which has everything broken out nicely into playlists. Also, our r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit, where the episode guide actually lives a quiet and unassuming life. And if there is a series that you think needs more episodes or a topic that you would like a deeper dive on or just a straight up update for, send us a message at info at itsamimic.com. After all, this is content for you. I will be discussing the plane of Arkron. Akron? 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 Akron. We'll go. Akron. Akron. Like Akron, Ohio. Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Ohio. Ohio's for lovers. Are we saying that right, Peps? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, fuck off, guys. <laughs> so, this is a lawful plane, as we've been discussing all day, but this is a plane between lawful evil and lawful neutral. Hmm. There's, main, there's four main floating block sections, essentially, of this plane, and they're just. Floating in space, they're the size of nations, and each face can house a different nation. Gravity is relative to that face, similar to the cogs. So whatever face you're standing on, gravity will pull you to the center of that face. My question is, what if you're at the corner of three faces? What will happen to you? Are you going to be pulled into the corner? And as well, these cubes crash together at predictable intervals, so you can travel between them with these intervals. So if you're at a crash point, and that crash point is two corners, you can stand between six corners, what happens to you? You explode. I would assume, but... Implode. Maybe implode. Displayer. Like, displayer? Displayer. You Spider-Man in Endgame? You do Multiverse? Dex check. <laughs> With disadvantage? Probably. Okay. Uh, Unless you're of that plane. Fair. Okay. <laughs> This plane at the upper levels is a constant state of war. Spirits from long-ended wars will continue to fight each other over a blade of grass to the difference in race. They don't care. They are just killing. Well, unkilling, because it's perpetual war, and spirits are... It's very complicated. Okay. Okay. There's four different levels... To this plane, Alvis, Thandrin, Tantibus, and Ockentuths. That was good. Thank you. Crushed it. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> and this is called the Iron Shod. This is where the most of the battles take place. So there's armies constantly clashing and constantly moving, and the sounds of these battles ring out across the whole plane. There's several major features in this um, layer, such as mountains that are triangular as well as giant pits. And the river Styx actually flows across this layer, only this layer of this plane. It will come out one of the pits, cross the plane, go over two or three faces, 
and go back into the plane. Mm. Alvis is adjacent to Nirvana, the Nine Hells, and the Concordant Opposition. The portals are hanged and hung in a fixed location in space, so they're not always accessible. So when the, that plane, that layer of the plane comes in contact with the portal, you're able to pass through it. As well as when the portal goes inside the plane, it's unaccessible. Hmm. A different sound will indicate which plane you are connecting to. So a harmonious chord will indicate nirvana. Discordant chord meant for the nine hells. And silence indicates the concordant opposition. Thangerlin, hmm. Valderin is uh, similar to an elephant graveyard or Surgo Sea in the Atlantic, where it just collects trash. So <laughs> random creations, random spells, papers, things end up in this layer of the plane. This is that planet from Thor Ragnarok. Yes, the junk planet. Yeah, where they've got the was it the Devil's Anus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking of Wally, and it's actually planet Earth. But that that's too. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trash dump too. It's yeah. trash yeah. dump. Yeah, and it's similar to as Dave was saying with the Mechagon's March, I feel like this is where a lot of the corpses go from them not making their march. Mm. There's no particular inhabitants on this plane, but people do go here to find discarded experiments, weapons that they may be able to use to win their wars. Tintabus is the third layer of this plane. Oh god, I should have to read. <laughs> it has blocks that are different than the other layers. These blocks are gray volcanic blocks with many-sided faces. When the blocks of Tantibus collide with the surfaces of the world, it fractures into hexagonal shapes. Oh, interesting. Right? Ocanthus blocks are, is the fourth layer and final layer in this plane, and they're squared and razor sharp and razor thin. They're almost as thin as being two-dimensional. Some of them are centimeters across, while others are kilometers across. Hmm. Both sides are black squares and normal gravity will pull you to that particular surface. Okay. The main inhabitants of this whole plane are spirit legions of spirits from any living entity that has a spirit. This probably has race members fighting here. Mm -hmm. They no longer know why they're fighting. They've just been lost to battle. On the upper plane, there is uh, wardens of imps, rust monsters, acrolantias. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> the occasional devils in Modrons. That's it. Oh, you got Modrons as well, hey? They just show up there. Everything shows up I, in this I, plane. Yeah, I feel like the, the lawful corner. Yeah. I feel like they all kind of share the same kind of... Yeah, I have portals to the other planes just there. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, well, let's roll. I've got a couple questions for you guys. James, I don't want to offend you. I'll take whichever no, one. You can have the yellow one again. All right. White die. Oh. One. Seventeen. Ten. Uh, all right. So, what inspires you the most about Akron? These legions of fighting spirits that they're fighting for an unknown reason anymore. That could be part of a call to a party, like to either stop a battle or to make one recommence. Because maybe these, as we were talking about with the moving gears, I'm going to jump into the next question now because I have an idea. As we were talking about the moving gears in the last one, what if these wars and these battles are essential to the functioning of the greater planes? So these fights happening have to f happen. Well, I mean, I think the idea of it being a lawful plane kind of insinuates that it does 
have a purpose. Have mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, the idea of, you know, there is an order to things, and this needs to be part of it. Um, you know, I, I, the thing I like about this one is that uh, it, it not just plays with an idea, but it, you, like, you can visualize it. And, and I like the idea of these things crashing together and fracturing and uh, coming up, like, with these... You said it's hexagonal every time. Yeah. Like, there's some... It's visually appealing. Yes. I like yeah. the idea of like you can get into like fractals and stuff like yeah. that and like have these things splintering off into all sorts of different, you know, the, the idea of order through the universe and like the shape of it and how that breaks down. This 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 appeals to me in that way. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I was gonna say like to to add to that, I enjoyed the idea of the sounds when you're saying how like yeah. there is a different sound or a pitch depending on which plane you're on. Yeah. And I think that that is again for a DM a very good visual or mental cue of where you are, what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, the fact that there's battles going on twenty four seven and all of a sudden you're on a plane where everything is silent yeah. would be very very mentally frightening. So I think that's just a really cool thing to play into. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, because I mean even absolute silence will drive you mad 100 percent. especially when you're not used to it that's interesting yeah what's a good plot hook that would see a party end up in akron another one i thought about is retrieving something from the second layer from the elephant graveyard down there yeah. you have to go get something okay you star. don't know where it is <laughs> you just know it's in this pile of junk yeah when you get close enough something will warn you what, though? You don't know. <laughs> and you might not want to know. And you definitely don't want to know, but it has what you need. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. I was thinking that it would be kind of cool to to play with the idea of the planes being beside each other. And maybe the Inevitables came over here, found the graveyard, and are now using the parts that they have found to make more Inevitables, which has now overrun, uh, you know, not just this plane, but adjacent planes. And you guys have to come in and figure it out. That is a campaign story right there. You yeah. can go so far with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it'd be really fun to play into like the whole, this is where fighters go, where their spirits go mm-hmm. after they've like lost a battle or what have you. And I just thought it would be really cool that if you were ever playing in a campaign where you had a TPK, yeah. But you're not ready to give up those characters or those players. There's always weird creative ways to bring people back to life. Mm-hmm. It'd be really cool if in the next session they woke up here. And then they have to figure yeah. out how to escape or how, like, and they're in constant fights and constant battle because that's what they're used to. And then they have to figure out how to get out of this plane and get home. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like you said, the river sticks runs through here. Yeah. Right? There's a lot you can do with yeah, that. Yeah, and the way you're talking with that, Megan, I'd give them more juice and easier to heal. Like, you heal fully and get your spells back after a short rest. Yeah. So, Keep yeah, fighting. It's okay that these battles are here. You just need a little rest and you're good to go. You can't actually die here. But everybody so, else can't die yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> but your players won't realize that right away because yeah. they'll just move on. Uh, what are some potential issues of running a session or two on Akron? I feel like this one, especially on the upper planes, is DMs not taking it far enough. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're <laughs> in the middle of a never-ending war... Where everyone's trying to get one up on each other however they can, that's going to be a brutal battlefield. Yeah. Like, you may not have to describe the viscera, but you need to let them know it's there. Yeah. Like, this shouldn't (laughs) be a pleasant place to be anywhere near, and it's a whole plane this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think the idea of having the changing landscape could be quite a difficult thing, you know, for, for multiple sessions. Uh, I found that me personally, 
I struggle a lot with theater of the mind. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not good. I, I, me no so good at describe words, right? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> right, like I, I've always really relied on the idea of having a battle map, uh, and it really helps me flesh things. Out. And it doesn't have to be much. It can be as undetailed as possible. But if I have that grid, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And it works for me as a DM. It works for me as a player. Uh, so from both sides of that, I think going here with the changing landscape would be quite a difficult thing for me to, to wrap my mind around, not just as a player, but as a DM and portraying that to my players. Yeah. But as a DM, at least you can decide which layer they're on and when these layers crash together. So they could never crash into the layer you have problems with the whole time they're there because it's your game. Sure, but I'm not going to inject a new setting and not explore it completely because, like it I said... It would take more than two or three sessions to explore these planes, any of these planes completely. Yeah. And, and again, that's why this would be a problem after, you know... A campaign, yeah. 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 Especially knowing how large the spaces are and taking how long it would get to get yeah. across a battlefield to get any other kind of a descriptor or any other different mm -hmm. feel... Like, it would take a long time. But, um, yeah, I, I would say similarly that having to describe this place multiple times would be very difficult. But I also find that DMs have a very hard time navigating battlefields. Yeah. So I think that if you are going to be going into this land, research how to navigate a battlefield in D&D 5th edition and different tips and tricks and ways to make battle work. Because I'd also look up how to fight as a DM in a battlefield, because I've definitely fought on battlefields in games, and some DMs will give you up against play like characters that you shouldn't be fighting on a battlefield because they're too overpowered. Yeah. And then times where we're way too overpowered to be on the battlefield. Yeah, exactly, right? Just one more thing you have to navigate yeah, to be. It's a cool place. Very cool. It'd be very interesting to play in. Yeah. But it'd be hard to pull off, especially for a new DM. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, like, I feel like I'm fairly experienced at this point. That, I'm, I'm already running so many different things. Having that visualization of it, whether it's a battle map uh, on the wall, on roll 20, on the table, uh, it, it really helps me not have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. My players can just look at it and infer from what they see. Now I don't have to manage that part of the game. Right where um, I mean maybe maybe if I worked on that I'd be a better DM self improvement crazy like, thought what? yeah you stuff that down <laughs> you push that real <laughs> deep down babe, right with your emotions swallow that sucker tighten that <laughs> real down till it comes out in a bit of rage oh healthy so healthy. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you want to check us out, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and our It's a Mimic on Reddit. You can also email us at info at itsamimic.com where you can send us your mailbag questions or you can tell Dave how to self-improve. Positive please. reviews, <laughs> sharing on social media, and word of mouth is how it gets out there. So please share with everyone you know. All right, I'm going to talk about Arcadia. Basically also known as the Peaceable Kingdoms of Arcadia. And peaceful it is. So this is a lawful neutral and or good. Some people even say it's true neutral, but it's basically just perfection. So think your town, perfect grid, little like little houses, just the perfect thatching. Like just it's perfection on a regular, like, just beautiful. Um, also imagine just like creatures and animals that just like are, are golden. So think like gold foxes and gold... Just everything's just beautiful, right? Never-ending mountains, rolling hills, forests, very naturey, just absolutely beautiful. Just gorgeous. Uh, the common inhabitants of this place are actually souls of past good and lawful warriors. 
So I, I read the word a lot. Petitioners was what they used to represent what that was. But I'm just imagining the souls of very good people. That's what ends up here. Yeah, sure. okay. Um, makes me kind of think of like that crossover plane mm-hmm. of like, we're just going to hunker down here for a little while and enjoy the nice crisp spring air, you know? Um, how, you'd also might even see the occasional planetar or deva. So like any godlike positive creatures, shall we say. Uh, this place doesn't really have day or night. Um, it has an orb, like it's got an orb that floats, uh, and it, one half is the sun. One half is basically the moon and there's okay. no in between. All hail the split orb. You are, yeah, you are either on the daytime side or you on the nighttime side. There is no twilight. There's no rotation. It just exists as day and night on one side or the other. Okay. Okay. Um, and then the weather itself is actually controlled by what is called the Storm Kings. So we have the Cloud King, the Wind Queen, the Lightning King, and the Rain Queen. And they actually live in castles that float around the sun orb. Okay. okay, cool. And then I'm each, in. I know, right? And each castle is thematically surrounded by their respective weather pattern. I'm even more in. Naturally, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it's a balanced thing. Similar to the other planes where everything has a balance, there's a perfect balance of weather. So okay. they live in harmony and peace of how they operate with their weather control. Okay. Um, some other fun features is that this is actually a two layered plane. Uh, the first layer is called Abelio. Oh, it's a biplane. The biplane. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Dave. <laughs> Surprised it took us this long. Me too, actually. <laughs> uh, made of paper. Um, but the first layer of Elio uh, has a mountain called Clan Clangadin, which holds a dwarven kingdom. Cool. Uh, so a bunch of dwarves dwell within um, the mountains. Is of, normal dwarves or are they um, special they're dwarves? They're technically celestial dwarves, but they okay. operate and act as per normal dwarves. Okay. Yeah. Um, in fact, <laughs> they are famous for their weapons and their armor. Okay. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, and then they have the second layer is Buxinus, which is a land where the ar- it's it basically borders Mechanus. Um and it, it, there used to be a plane in be- like a layer in between called Manassas, and it got absorbed by Mechanus. So the plane of Buxinus is in constant battle, wanting the missing plane back from Mechanus, but the plane doesn't exist anymore because okay. it got absorbed. So the battle is fraught. They're never going to get it back. The plane is gone. So the plane is hijacked. It's hijacked. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They lost their meniscus between there. They lost the meniscus. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I, I have a meniscus injury. Yeah, you can't get your meniscus back, dude. I know. I'm aware. There's it no meniscus to get back. My knee sucks. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a very interesting plane. I actually so. really like that one. Yeah. Like me as a person, big fan. Yeah, there's a little bit of like the lawful good awesomeness, mm-hmm. a little bit of turmoil here and there. But for me, again, it's the perfection piece yeah, to it. No, right? that's... When you look when you look down on it, I imagine that you see like that perfect town grid line. You yeah, see perfect town grid line. And in the sun and night side, I'm assuming splits down the middle of Main Street. Yeah, like absolutely. it's done right. Yeah. <laughs> love it also weather kings like what the fuck yeah weather kings in floating castles is that having to do with the storm king's thunder is like is that the same kind i don't know of storm king? i just hope one of their castles is named chaos breaker because i feel like that fits <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong floating castle chaos breaker chaos castle? pretty cool castle of chaos all right let's let's roll again here let's see uh what inspires you the most about arcadia <laughs> I rolled a five. I rolled an eight. 
I rolled an 18. Oh, sweet baby angel. Those chaos, all oh, those castles. Castles? There's, a, there's castles. a lot to do with that. Like, have one fall out of the sky. <gasps> You've just broken their nice, even harmony there. Oof. Yeah. Oof. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I like the idea of now that you've... Because, I mean, these, these castles, they're all certain kinds of, of weather, right? Mm-hmm. So now, all of a sudden, this, you know, this, this the thunderstorm castle has fallen out of the sky. Does it stop thundering on the material plane? Yeah. Has that... <gasps> Has that fundamentally changed weather everywhere else? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess kind of we were talking about how the cogs, yeah. the stopping that would affect something. The battles are needed to continue for a reason. I feel Everything like has a, a reason for existing, whether it's to the material plane material or to girl. another plane. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> then the logic we were just talking, the cogs could be driving the spinning of the world and the one I was talking about, where the wars are driving the energy for the storms. So everything could be connected. And you're knocking one domino, you break a whole system. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the dwarves. I really like the dwarves, Like, too. just randomly, I was just like, <laughs> just, that's an interesting... Just dwarves. Tidbit. Well, because that's the thing. Because we're thinking these are, like, um, these planes are full of deities, gods, yeah. like, good souls, bad souls. And then all of a sudden, there's just a mountain with dwarves. Dwarves. Just of course, a, it's a mountain with dwarves. Just a yeah, great right? little anecdote, I But think. we both had mountains. I had mountains in mind. There was no dwarves. Yeah. We didn't get dwarves. We got spirit I dwarves, got dwarves. But that's not. Yeah. Man, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is a good plot hook that would see a party end up on Arcadia? The One of the dwarf members of the party is descendant from one of the celestial dwarves. Mm. But they don't know that. Oh, they're Them like... and their whole party gets called to this realm. They need to figure out why. Because they get dropped in the middle of the perfect center, not at the Dwarf Mountain, because yeah. you can't show up unbalanced. But then everybody starts treating you differently because you're a dwarf, and yes. they're like, they know who you they are. They know you, who you are. They yeah. sense that you are celestial dwarf, but you don't know that. So you're treated better than the rest of your companions. Everyone's going out of their way to help you, but no one else. No one else. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Interesting. I like the idea of trying to carve out this other plane that existed between them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figuring that out, because... Having a part of a plane shift to a new plane mm-hmm. and then back to another, like, there's some serious tinkering you can yeah. do with that. Well, I tried to figure out more why it happened, mm-hmm. and there's not a whole lot written on it. It's just that it got absorbed, and then that was the end of it. And then they're in a constant fight to get it back. That'd be a good one to do after Strahd. So use the same party that survived Strahd, because he's got a pocket plane. Yeah. Can they recreate a pocket plane now that they know it's possible? Mm-hmm. Whether the people on both sides would have way more power than they do, but can they discuss, like, we just saw a thing. Well, isn't Strahd part of the Shadowfell? Yeah, pocket plane of the Shadowfell, but yeah. Yeah. point being pocket plane. Yeah. Yeah, you can always retcon something as well. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you thought it was, but haha. Yeah. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the making it a. F- I, I was thinking fetch quest with this one, weirdly yeah. enough, because with the dwarves and their weapons and their armor, mm-hmm. it's almost like there's a, a piece of weaponry or there's armor, a or there's somewhere a MacGuffin there. somewhere yeah. within the mountain that you have to get, but you have to go through the entire plane to get to said mountain. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what are some potential issues of running a session or two on Arcadia? They all, most of these boil down to your players not taking to the point or being obstinate to the point of that particular plane. Yeah. So if you're trying, this is a law, more a lawful good plane. If you're going to be chaotic evil, there's going to be punishment from the plane itself and from your DM. They'd just kick you off. Yeah. Like, you would okay. get booted, but you wouldn't get booted back to a plane. You would get booted to an in-between. Yeah. They wouldn't let you be because they are lawful. You were breaking laws. You get punishment for breaking laws. 
Interesting. But who would lay down the punishment? I guess I guess the kings and the queens. Yeah. The weather it just strikes you with lightning. It just strikes you with lightning, you get knocked <laughs> like, out whoops. of the plane. <laughs> oh, so we get another Zeus. Yeah. 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 Or you just it just rains on you. Yeah. Constantly. It just rains. Yeah. It's really sunny. I like We're the idea of the, the rain queen. At once. I just want to art the, the rain queen. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just feel like that's a really good wholesome imagery in my head. She's either really depressed and is crying all the time. Yeah. Or she's the happiest person you've ever seen. And I imagine her castle being full of plant life. Yeah, because, everywhere. Like just, just a anyway. Tropical jungle up there. Off topic, but yeah. Uh, this whole episode's <laughs> off topic. Well, you know, one of the things I really liked about the the whole weather side of things, and I, I feel like weather isn't addressed very often in D anD. d It's never. Oh, is it raining? Is it mm-hmm. snowing? It's like no, no. There might be snow on the ground, but like. Other than that, nobody ever really addresses no. this. There's never mud on a dirt trail with a wagon. Absolutely not. What could be the long-term consequences of spending an entire campaign in a particular weather pattern? Yeah, like you're in, you've expended oh. the time in the castle and it's constantly raining. Yeah. And like you have to be there for weeks on end. Disadvantage for the opposite environment, but advantage in that environment. But I wouldn't, because it's a lawful plane particularly, I wouldn't give detriment full detriment i would give you a equal return i don't know i I think that maybe staying in uh you know the always bright and sunny part of it i i feel like there would be it would be difficult to rest i mean we had that heat dome here last summer Mm. and it was fucking hot it was the worst yeah i was camping it was 47 degrees celsius no i know he told me he was gonna go camping as the heat dome's building worse i'm like you're gonna die Dave. yeah you will die out there i i was fine mostly Um, (laughs) mostly yeah thank God, the cars had air conditioning. Mm. Never wanted to go sit in a car while I was camping before, but it worked. But, I mean, when I was sleeping, when I was resting, I wasn't resting. No. Mm-hmm. I was not recovering. So maybe you start to set in levels of exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. How long can you Never guys... get a full rest, only, like, short rests. Exactly. Yeah. How long can you guys actually survive in one of these, like, bright and sunny uh, locations? Right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's a, a, an interesting uh, side of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, anybody have any final thoughts on anything here today? I don't think planes are used enough anymore. Nowhere near enough. I think everybody's so excited about home brewing and making their own thing or just doing their mm-hmm. own world that people forget that this kind of lore exists within yeah. the game. I would argue almost the opposite because... Argue with me, Dave. Well, <laughs> again, I have a 3.5 background and we didn't do... Feywild, we didn't do Shadowfell, we didn't do anything else. There was no, like, yeah, there were spells, yeah, there was different planes and so on, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is in 5th edition. Like we said, Strahd, you're going to the Shadowfell. Uh, the the new Wild Beyond the Witchlight, that's, that's Feywild, right? Like, these settings are getting their own books. So maybe not, you know, specifically the Lawful Planes, but they are bringing the planes in. I think it's just such a hard concept for you know people that don't necessarily have i don't i don't want to offend anybody but like not everybody has the biggest imagination not everybody can visualize everything that's going on yeah. and like i said that's something that i personally struggle with as a dm as a player so i think that's probably why it's a little daunting for me is i have a hard time explaining what you guys are looking at when you're in a room mm-hmm. now you're in the astral sea i don't know what that looks like at least when i'm explaining the room <laughs> i have a picture in my head yeah. Right? I, I can, oh, there's a table and chairs, blah, blah, blah. I, like, yeah. You I can draw it out. Whereas, like, a, a, this an is, environment. It's all up for interpretation. Yeah. It's got some loose guidelines, 
but there's a lot more to it. And that's, that's intimidating to me mm. uh, as a DM because it's just another thing that I have to manage. Uh, and and I, learn about. Yeah, and, and I mean, I love low maintenance games yeah uh as a a dm personally i don't i I want to put an hour of work into it i don't want to put a week of work into an hour you know that's true yeah fair fair fair. one thing for me i feel the planes especially once you get outside the shadow fell and the uh fey wild is needs a party that is willing to role play because if you just have a party that's there to be murder hobos no one's going to get enjoyment out of any of this they're not going to care what you're saying they're not going to care what you're saying they just want the next thing to kill yeah. And you trying to put them into a story, you're not going to be happy either. So avoid it with parties that don't want it. Talk with your parties. Yeah. Do you care or do you just want the yeah. tavern in the road? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, fair. Yeah. So that's all for this discussion on the lawful planes. But there are a lot of other planes in Dungeons & Dragons. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be returning once again to a handful of popular monstrous races in D&D this time from a character creation perspective. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsmimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. So what plane do you think the members of tonight's shindig would belong to? Okay, that's just too serious for me. Yeah, I don't know, James. You know, I'll be honest, I don't really know a lot about the planes, so I haven't really looked. <laughs> but we talked about the planes all day. We just spent talking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, we only spoke about three of them. That is true, David. Are we actually going to roll in this dice tower, though? That's this beautiful dice tower that's here? Yeah, Justin made it. Yeah, Justin made it for Christmas for Adam? Something like that. It's it so is cute. mostly Pringles. Yeah, mostly Pringles. Bunch of clay. He did a lot of work on the. He clay. did. He can He had to go back for like three or four different. Clay That's runs. a lot of clay he used. Yeah. Uh, okay, but I would like to be in the Feywild, so. Fair. Yeah. I think Dave would be in the Thounden. <laughs> no, the Thounden, the Elephant Graveyard, like where just lost shit goes. Oh, okay. I feel like Dave would just be lost tinkering around. <laughs> you know what? That checks out. It just goes where all the lost crap goes. Happy Hunting Grounds? Is that is that a plane? Is that I a can... place? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's called the Feywild. <laughs> but I think you're the prey. Oh. 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 Yeah, I'm into it. It's fine. <laughs> I won't yuck your yum. Gross. <laughs> Besides, Look, like... Don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, don't trip in the cogs. Don't fall into the cogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you get two nat ones and you fall in the cogs... <laughs> They'll make you a new body. And I feel like that would be the group that would, too. 100%. They'd be like, oh, shit, that's not supposed to happen. Sorry the guardrail wasn't there. That's a little chaotic. Oh, Here's a new body for you. We meant to you. repair that. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Take responsibility for my actions. Personal growth? What the what? fuck? Fuck that. This is my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the next mailbag episode is going to be an entire paper full of the how can Dave's help improve. <laughs> oh, God, no. Just small anecdotes. It won't even be a mailbag anymore. It'll just be Dave's better time. Yeah, it's an intervention. <laughs> it's a whole new series. I love it. The fans intervene, Dave. Yeah. We're here to help you. Let us help you. Thanks for listening. Bye.